Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 8.55 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It's the 15th day of August, 2023. This is episode 773 of Bitcoin. And let's take a little stroll down memory lane. The strength of a nation's currency is based on the strength of that nation's economy. And the American economy is by far the strongest in the world. Accordingly... I have directed the Secretary of the Treasury to take the action necessary to defend the dollar against the speculators. I have directed Secretary Connolly to suspend temporarily the convertibility of the dollar into gold or other reserve assets, except in amounts and conditions determined to be in the interest of monetary stability and in the best interest of the United States. Now, what is this action, which is very technical, What does it mean for you? Let me lay to rest the bugaboo of what is called devaluation. If you want to buy a foreign car or take a trip abroad, market conditions may cause your dollar to buy slightly less. But if you are among the overwhelming majority of Americans who buy American-made products in America, your dollar will be worth just as much tomorrow as it is today. The effect of this action, in other words, will be to stabilize the dollar. And there it is, ladies and gentlemen. 52 years ago today, President Richard Milhouse Nixon took us off of the gold standard, and everything was going to be fine because it was going to be temporary, right? 52 years of temporary, but temporary nonetheless because I'm sure that at one point or another uh, we'll go back to the convertibility of the United States dollar back, back to gold. I'm sure it'll happen any day. I I mean, that's, I mean, but the seconds on my watch are just thrumming in my ears, telling me any second now, any second now, any second now, but dude, watch, it's been 52 years. Clearly this is permanent. No man, it's just temporary brother. And by the way, that whole devaluation thing that you were so scared of that's a that's just a bugaboo uh, uh, he literally said bugaboo this is the president of the united states delivering this address on at least two if not all of the only television stations because you had you had four what would you have yet abc cbs nbc and public broadcasting system that was it so and nobody will ever really watch PBS unless the kids were watching Sesame Street. So, uh, yeah, he's saying this on, on national TV, lying to every single person that was alive at the time. You know, just I guess that's just a matter of course nowadays. But, hey, it is what it is. Everything's going to be fine, right? Eh, well, well, just, you know, remember, stay humble, stack sats. By the way, this was brought to you by 
uh, guy over there on Noster, Wake Up is his name. Uh, it's Heiko at nosterplebs.com if you want to get to him. In a, a, There are various ways to get to people on various Noster clients. Sometimes you can do it through their NIP5. Uh, was it NIP5, NIP7? Well, they're, you, you provide an identifier that gives you a little, a little check mark. So uh, we, I, uh, thank you, Wake Up, for reminding us all that 52 years ago today, we started losing major traction in wealth for the people of the United States. It's a long, slow bleed. Long, long, slow bleed. All right. Now, just days, just days after the decision of the SEC to delay uh, making any decision whatsoever about a spot Bitcoin ETF approval, well, Let's just do it. Europe's first spot Bitcoin ETF is now listed on Euronext in Amsterdam. Bitcoin Magazine and Nick Hoffman has it for you. Over a year after its initial planned launch, Jacobi Asset Management has now officially launched Europe's first spot Bitcoin exchange traded fund or ETF on the Euronext Amsterdam trading services. Operating under the ticker Bcoin. <clears throat> the ETF is regulated by the Guernsey Financial Services Commission with Fidelity Digital Assets providing the custodial services while Flow Traders operate as market makers while Jane Street and DRW operate as authorized participants. The benchmark for the fund, the FT Wilshire Bitcoin Blended Price Index, is provided by Wilshire Indices. I'm pausing right there to get you to understand that the names that they just listed in that first paragraph are all pretty much heavy hitters. This looks like it is a very well-designed investment instrument over in Europe. We can't get our shit together about anything. And these guys have multiple partners playing multiple roles, and they're all heavy hitters. Fidelity Digital Assets is the custodian. You got <clears throat> now flow traders I've never heard of. I don't know who flow traders is, but they're they're the market makers. Jane Street I have heard of, <clears throat> and then the benchmark fund fund FT Wilshire Bitcoin Blended Price Index provided by Wilshire Indices. This is another big name. This Europe has now has a spot Bitcoin ETF before the United States. Brazil had a Bitcoin spot ETF before the United States. It's just, this is embarrassing at this point. Quote, it is exciting to see Europe moving ahead of the United States and opening up Bitcoin investing for institutional investors who want safe, secure access to the benefits of digital assets using familiar and regulated structures like our ETF. Unlike other products in the European market, which are debt instruments, our fund owns the underlying assets directly. Jacoby is proud to be supported by tier one partners at the forefront of this digital asset market evolution, whilst also pioneering an innovative, environmentally sound solution for European investors, said Martin Bednell, CEO of Jacoby Asset Management. Yes, Jacoby Asset Management. Yet another name that I am very well aware of. These, this is not Bob's backyard Bitcoin spot ETF, ladies and gentlemen. This is a, this is actually a bigger deal than than I first thought when I read this. 
Now, Mark Makepeace, CEO of Wilshire Indices, highlighted the significance of the launch of the ETF, stating, quote, The launch of the Jacoby FT Wilshire Bitcoin ETF is an important milestone for the digital asset industry and a transformative moment for the global financial industry. We are excited about the partnership with Jacoby, and as a leader in the development of institutional-grade digital asset benchmarks, we are committed to helping accelerate the advancement of the entire digital asset ecosystem. While Europe launches its first spot Bitcoin ETF, the United States continues to flounder. Now, they don't say flounder. They say continues to delay the inevitable listing of one. Last week, the SEC delayed its decision to approve or deny the listing of Kathy Wood's ARK Invest spot Bitcoin ETF application, leaving many investors you know, scratching their heads as to when one will eventually be approved. More information on the U.S. spot Bitcoin ETF race can be found here. And they give a link. All right, so... It's not, it's important to note that it is not Bob's Backyard Bitcoin ETF. No, 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 no. This has major players, major worldwide financial names are involved in Europe's first Bitcoin spot ETF. And we are doing what over here in the United States? We're twiddling our thumbs, sitting and spinning, looking around at each other going, I don't know. I mean, it's embarrassing. It is. This is an embarrassing moment for United States federal regulators, financial regulators, anybody that has anything to do at all with banks, financial institutions, debt instruments, asset instruments, any of it, any of it, any of it. it they all are left with egg on their face. They and it's not like they didn't know it was coming. It's not like you know Jerome Powell or. Uh, uh, no, not Jerome Powell. Who's the other dude? Uh, Gensler is sitting there go, caught off guard. He knew this shit was coming. They talk. They go to lunch together. They, they have like little phone calls. They go on vacation in Davos together. I mean, come on. It's not like they didn't know. We didn't know. You know, he didn't even know. None of these guys even breathed a word that, that there was something on the horizon out in Europe. And of course they wouldn't, but still... It sucks that I got to find my, you know, my major, you know, worldwide financial index and, and financial market news that is in a direct embarrassment to the United States, you know, out of, out of, you know, from the people that actually released the damn thing instead of our own regulators saying, look, what they, this is what I'm saying. What they should have said is like, look. This, these instruments are going to pop up around the world. We just want to make sure that the one that we list here in the United States is the safest one in the world. You know, I, I, I am caught off guard. I'm caught flat freaking footed that Europe has launched their spot Bitcoin ETF with the quality of people that they are launching with. This is not to be dismissed. This is an important milestone. Like I said, if it was Bob's Backyard Bitcoin ETF, no one would care. It would be like Brazil's Bitcoin ETF. Nobody really cared. I think Canada's got a couple of things. Nobody really cares. Europe, people have a tendency to care. And I really thought that United States would actually be first to the spot Bitcoin ETF, and then Europe would have to follow I had no idea that they were actually going to, you know, 
want a future for their people. Uh, whatever. It doesn't matter. And it's not really that I'm mad because I have no plans whatsoever to purchase any of these instruments. I know how to hold Bitcoin myself. I don't need somebody to wipe my butt for me. All right, so I buy Bitcoin and I hold Bitcoin. I hold the asset direct directly. I don't need to buy a share of something that holds the asset directly when I can just hold the asset. And I highly recommend that you do the same. However, your institution, like if you work for, I don't know, like a big, uh, someone's got a 401k plan that's in Europe. Like, well, I don't know what the retirement accounts are like in Europe. I don't know what they're called. But now those guys... They, they can get exposure through their workplace to their retirement account because of this instrument. And if you're gonna, I mean, if you, if you have to use some of your money, your paycheck to invest in your, you know, in your retirement by law in Europe, then you might as well go hit up your HR manager and say, Hey, go check, go check out the Jacoby FT Wilshire Bitcoin ETF. I want some, I want exposure. And if you get enough people in your institution saying the same shit, they'll start buying it. But We've got we've got other things to do here. Um, where where did we go? Ugh. Oh, Blockstream. Blockstream launches Basic Note to capitalize on anticipated ASIC market recovery. Bitcoin Magazine. Craig Deutsch has it. Blockstream, a top tier Bitcoin infrastructure firm, has joined forces with Stoker a trailblazing digital platform for alternative assets based in Luxembourg. Their collaboration has birthed a new investment offering, the Blockstream ASIC, or BASIC note. Get it? BASIC? Blockstream ASIC? It's actually kind of brilliant. Uh, it actually reminds me of when Samson Moe was the st- uh, chief strategy officer over at Blockstream. This sounds like something. This sounds like him. This sounds exactly like something he would have named. Anyway, during the latest Bitcoin bull market, prices for Bitcoin mining machines, otherwise known as ASICs, witnessed a significant surge. This was followed by a major crash, bottoming in December of 2022. The value of ASICs tend to have a pattern. They seem to be undervalued during bear markets while enjoying outperformance during bull runs. This pattern points to a potential profit shift when measured in Bitcoin terms. This new basic investment vehicle is seeking to raise $5 million through the sale of its Series 1 basic notes priced at $115,000 each. The aim? To acquire ASICs in bulk now, store them, and then strategically sell them as the market rebounds, especially keeping the upcoming Bitcoin halving event in April through May 2024 in mind. Considering the resounding success of the Blockstream Mining Note, the BMN, which attracted $50 million from global investors through eight rounds between 2021 and 2022, the Basic Note's introduction has already garnered considerable market attention. This investment tool is designed to focus on a Bitcoin-centric return strategy, and fees are only charged when the product outperforms Bitcoin. Interestingly, the investment product will be pitched as an EU-compliant digital security on the Liquid Network. The rationale behind the basic structure includes, one, market forecasting. There's a predicted surge in the Bitcoin price potentially from late 2023 to 2024. This is expected to couple with an increase in ASIC prices. Two, supply-demand dynamics. With the imminent Bitcoin halving event on the horizon, miners are likely to update their machinery, pushing demand for modern energy-efficient devices. And three, liquidity and access. 
As capital gradually becomes more available, miners will likely have better access to resources in order to procure ASICs. Blockstream CEO and co-founder Dr. Adam Back remarked, quote, Since our founding in 2014, Blockstream has continuously been a leader in Bitcoin mining, from providing world-class mining infrastructure to delivering innovative investment vehicles like the Blockstream Mining Note. The basic note, B-A-S-I-C note, basic note, arrives at an opportune time in the market, presenting a unique and carefully timed investment opportunity for any Bitcoin-focused portfolio. Arnob Nascar, Stoker's co-founder, envisions digital securities transforming capital markets and believes that products like the basic note will play a significant role in bridging traditional finance with Bitcoin. It's worth noting that the basic note won't be accessible in every jurisdiction. Of course not. Each series will feature its own distinct set of basic notes issued via the liquid network. Okay, now that actually makes kind of sense. <clears throat> and I'm not talking about the whole structure. I'm talking about specifically this very last this very last sentence. What are the entire things that liquid the liquid network from Blockstream launched with was the idea of spinning up these tokens for certain uh secure let's just call them securities for lack of lack of a better term. And let's let's hope they register them so that Adam Back doesn't end up, you know, on the wrong side of a jail cell in, in either event. They're selling securities. They're they they're spinning up tokens on the liquid network, and that that's what one of the main points of the liquid network was supposed to be. And that's kind of happened a couple of times. Liquid network not being used so much, but this one, this one could be different. And I'm not saying that go out and buy shit coins. I'm not I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that it looks like. Liquid is not going away anytime soon, and if this particular utility, because they're not, the the liquid is the blockchain. the The token that they're spinning up is a jurisdictional version of each one of these basics. So they spin up like a basic note and sell. I don't know, hundred thousand, well, ten thousand of them. Spin up ten thousand of them in Europe at, at that jurisdiction. And then another jurisdiction might be Canada, United States, the North American jurisdiction. That actually makes a lot of sense to me, considering that all this stuff can be represented in one repository, yet by law has the structure to be able to not violate laws in different jurisdictions. It's kind of, Honestly, I got to say, fuck it, I'm going to say it. It's kind of brilliant. It really is. I that am I going to rush right out and buy basic notes? Absolutely not. You know what I'm going to go buy? I'm going to go buy Bitcoin. If you guys want to do that, if you guys want to go play in other markets or whatnot, man, you know, knock yourself out. But thank you know, at least it's by Blockstream. At least it's by Adam Back. You know, at least it's not some, you know, I don't know, Craig Wright individual or something like that. So I'll be watching this uh, for the near future. <clears throat> Sorry, <clears throat> got a little bit of allergies going on since the uh, change of the seasons are upon us up here in eastern Washington. Coin Telegraph Gareth Jenkinson brings us the following: Bitcoin Depot quarter two revenue jumps eighteen percent year over year, eyes growth after Nasdaq listing. United States-based Bitcoin ATM operator Bitcoin Depot said it posted its best ever best 
ever revenue numbers in the second quarter of 2023 as the company looks to expand its footprint. Bitcoin Depot released its Q2 results along with several cryptocurrency ecosystem firms, recording a $197.5 million in million dollars in quarterly revenue. The company noted that this is a record figure and an 18% increase from its revenue for the same period of 2022. The company also reported that its net loss of $6.1 million was down by 249% year over year. Its Q2 profit stood at $25.9 million, while its gross profit margin was 13%, up from 8% during the same period in 2022. Bitcoin Depot founder and CEO Brandon Mintz said that the company would be looking to continue growing through 2023 following its public listing on NASDAQ. The listing occurred on July the 3rd, following the closing of a business merger with GSR2 Metoria Acquisition Group. Bitcoin Depot has also announced a number of partnerships with convenience stores across the U.S. as it aims to increase the number of Bitcoin access points across the country. The company also carried out a software conversion of its ATMs in February 2023 to Bit Access. The conversion reportedly cut out previous annual licensing fees, which were incurring extra costs. Bitcoin Depot is also building out its BDC checkout service as well as other software and operational services, which has allowed the company to tap into revenue streams from kiosk management software. The company is forecasting a total revenue of up to $730 million in 2023, which it says is a 13% improvement from its 2022 total of 647. Yeah, but it's just a projection, bro. As Cointelegraph previously reported, the Bitcoin ATM market experienced a downturn regarding the number of operational machines across the U.S. in the first half of 2023. This trend took a positive turn in May of this year with over 1,000 BTC ATM installations reportedly taking place according to data from Coin ATM Radar. So <clears throat> if you remember, if you were listening to the show, I brought you the news about the downturn of the ATMs. And honestly, I still think we're a little bit too early for ATMs or at least to get all that excited about them. I, don't, I just, I honestly, I see them. I never see anybody at them, and I just I have a gut feeling that it's a good idea whose time has not yet come. That doesn't make it bad. I'm just saying that it would not surprise me if they do Q3 and Q4 quarterly reports and we find out that it took a dump again in the Bitcoin ATM market, but we'll have to see. Still, though, it's good to see that they're not going to, you know, that they're not in bankruptcy. That's all at this point. That's all I'm looking for is Bitcoin companies, especially Bitcoin only companies, but at least Bitcoin solid companies that have solidly survived FTX, Three Arrows Capital, BlockFi, Alameda, and all the rest of Genesis and all the rest of the bullshit. Like, you know, companies like Fold, River, Cold Card, Unchained Capital, these guys. These guys that everybody was pointing at and laughing, saying, you're missing the boat. You should get into the shitcoin market. And they didn't. And now they're like the only company standing. And this is Bitcoin Depot seems to be one of them as well. So kudos to Bitcoin Depot for not getting deep, knee deep into the shitcoin market and getting, getting axed <clears throat> like this guy who's going to take the fifth. Former FTX executive declines testimony and cites the Fifth Amendment rights. 
Okay, Mattis Mitchler has it for Decrypt.co. Former FTX executive Ryan Salami <laughs> will not testify to his involvement in the alleged illegal campaign donation scheme that's part of the FTX trial, according to a motion filed by United States federal prosecutors on August the 14th. That was yesterday. Salami's attorney indicated that if subpoenaed, Salami would invoke his Fifth Amendment right, a constitutional protection against self-incrimination. Salami's lawyer did not immediately respond for comment. Salami, the former, it's probably Salame, but let's go with Salami. The former co-CEO of FTX's Bahamian unit is accused of giving more than $24 million to Republican candidates and causes in the 2022 election cycle using customer funds. He has not been charged with the crime. Of course not. His role has been under scrutiny since the company's downfall last year. In April, FBI agents raided his Washington, D.C. residence. Salami's decision not to testify is mainly the consequence of the existence of a private message he shared with a trusted family member in November of 2021 in which he admits his role in the donation scheme. As detailed in the motion, Salami conveyed in this message that ex-FTX CEO Sam Bankman-Fried wanted to donate to both Democratic and Republican uh, candidates in the United States. But Salami objected because it would alienate both Democrats and Republicans, further explaining that the purpose of these bipartisan donations would be to weed out anti-crypto Democrats for pro-crypto Democrats and anti-crypto Republicans for pro-crypto Republicans. He also said that it was likely that Bankman Fried would route money through him to weed out that Republican side. These statements, as per the motion, are inculpatory of Salami and will be considered as direct evidence of alleged fraud and money laundering schemes. Bankman Fried now faces 13 counts of conspiracy and fraud over FTX's collapse, though the indictment no longer includes conspiracy to violate campaign finance laws as a separate count. On July the 27th, prosecutors initially decided to drop a campaign finance charge claiming that the former billionaire illegally directed associates to donate millions of dollars to political campaigns. Last week, though, the DOJ indicated that it will make clear that Bankman Fried remains charged with conducting an illegal campaign finance scheme as part of the fraud and money laundering schemes originally charged. FTX's ex-CEO was jailed on August the 11th ahead of his October 2nd trial in New York City with another trial scheduled for March of 2024 for additional charges brought across multiple superseding indictments. FTX did not respond for comment. Well, of course not. It just, it's just, it's, it's just insane that they can't figure out what they're going to do with this campaign finance shit because they never made it clear what's going on. And it's not hard to make something clear. Like, for instance, they, the DOJ comes out and says, we are, we are suspending the charges for campaign finance until the rest of this crap is figured out. At which point, we will then recharge or re-up or redo whatever to get those campaign finance charges back up in the limelight so that we can proceed with that section because it's a completely different and slightly unrelated issue to the other bankruptcy stuff going on with FTX and the mismanagement of customer funds. And I would have been completely 
I've been fine with that. But they actually dropped the charges, or at least that's what we were told. But then we get this story that's saying, well, the DOJ is still considering it. What the hell is going on? Well, here's a separate, uh, but a, a separate news story about the Sam Bankman fried thing and the political donation also by decrypt, but written by Matt DeSilvo, sorry, Matt DeSalvo, Sam Bankman fried used $100 million in stolen cash for political donations. The DOJ alleges, and this is not unrecent. This was written yesterday. Sam Bankman fried pinched customer funds to make over $100 million in political campaign contributions to both Democrats and Republicans ahead of the 2022 U.S. midterm elections, the Department of Justice alleged today. In a brand new, brand spanking new indictment filed on Monday, the DOJ said Bankman fried 31, who was jailed on Friday, had misappropriated and embezzled FTX customer deposits, which he used for a number of purposes, including politics. Prosecutors had initially dropped a campaign finance charge against Bankman Fried back in July, but said last week that they would continue with the campaign finance allegations as part of concurrent fraud and money laundering charges. Quote, as Bankman Fried well knew, FTX's finances contained a multi-billion dollar deficiency caused by his own misappropriation of customer funds from the exchange. And yet, and yet, and yet, he continued through FTX's collapse in November of 2022 to use misappropriated customer funds to pay for his investments, acquisitions, and campaign contributions, Monday's indictment read. It added that Bankman Fried used the funds to make contributions to Democrats and Republicans to seek to influence cryptocurrency regulation. They, see, the, there you go. There's a little bit more to the story. Is there anything that I really need? No, I think that, that'll do it. It gives a little bit of more backstory. But we, we got the meat and potatoes of what's going on here. Nobody can make a decision in the United States government as to what the hell they're going to do. That's what, I mean, this is what it signals to me. Not just this, but... Gary Gensler not figuring out spot Bitcoin ETF. It's nobody really knows what the hell is going on, whether should we print more money? Hell, they couldn't even put a cap on the on the new debt ceiling. There is no debt ceiling. They just lifted the debt ceiling. I've never even heard of that shit before. Usually they just re-up the debt ceiling to some new number. No, not this time. They just took the damn thing off. It's uncapped. United States debt is now uncapped. They don't know whether or not they're going to charge this guy for campaign finance fraud. They have no idea what they're going to do with the spot Bitcoin ETF. I'm living in a cloud world, and it's starting to become very uncomfortable. Maybe the numbers will make us feel better, but probably not. Let's run them. All right. Well, after weak economic data out of China, apparently all United States uh, markets are are taking a a big, massive dump. And we start, as usual, with the energy sector getting hammered. West Texas Intermediate down two and a third to $80.59. Brent North Sea down just over two points to $84.41. Natural gas taking the biggest hit of all, of course, 4.62% down to 2.666 is the number of the beast on 1,000 cubic feet of energy. (coughs) Gasoline down almost 1.5 to $2.86. I wouldn't expect to see any relief at the pump today. Metals are also getting whacked. 
Uh, third down for gold, nineteen thirty-eight and thirty cents. Silver is down a fifth of a point. Platinum is down one and a half. Copper down one and a half. And palladium digging the hole at two point seven four percent to the downside. Lumber's doing good though, two point four one percent to the upside. Meanwhile, uh, the biggest loser for the rest of the field, which is all in the red, is wheat at two point six five to the downside. Man, you want to talk about a bumper crop out here in, in Washington State. Holy crap, man. I've taken several drives across this state and you this must be where Amber the the part of the of the uh of the national song, the declaration what the hell is it? I can't even remember the name of our own anthem, the national anthem. The Amber Waves of Grain. Yeah, I, I always wonder where the hell that came from. I think it was out of the Palouse region from eastern Washington because ain't nothing but amber waves of grain. It's amazing looking. And maybe we're, we've got a massive bumper crop and that may be pushing prices down. Who knows? But we got live cattle down 0.17. Lean hogs down almost a half. Feeder cattle up 0.11%. Dow is down almost a full point. S&P is down three quarters of a point. NASDAQ is down a half, and the S&P mini is down 1.41%. <clears throat> no, I'm sorry, it was 1.14. I got money at $29,359.50. Average transaction value is 0.4 BTC. Median transaction value is $0.16 cents with block times of 8 minutes and 8 seconds. Lord have mercy. Uh, we got 0.1 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis and 17.7 overall in the last 24 hours. With a 16.93% bump in hash rate, we're at 450.33 exahashes per second. Mother of God. <laughs> we got a $570.4 billion market capitalization. <coughs> That's just under 4.5% of gold's market cap. You can purchase, if you so choose, 15.4 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 19,458,011.82 of, and 4,713.7 of them suckers are in the Lightning Network valued at $138.2 million, being run over 16,317 nodes that we can see, sporting 68,648 payment channels, and 72.6% of all of it is running over Tor. Now, let's get into mempool stuff. It looks like we're at, a, ooh, man, about 140 to 142 blocks carrying 415,000 unconfirmed transactions, high-priority transactions going for 11 Satoshis per V-byte, low-priority for 10, and everything under 5.89 Satoshis per V-byte are being purged from mempools around the world. I am looking at mempool.space, and the hash rate here is being listed at 447.7 exahashes per second, and there is an estimated 6.82% difficulty adjustment upcoming, I believe, here in a few days. So, wow, hash rate just skyrocketing. And, by the way, so did I. Thanks to all your help, I am actually at number four on the fountain charts. Haven't seen that spot in quite a while. And it's for, you know, from people specifically, letter 6173. Dude, you want to talk about coming out swinging for me? Thanks, bro. He tried with 100,001 Satoshi. He tried again with 50,000. He tried again with 25,000. And then he tried at 20,000. And then... 
He says, seriously, friends, focus on your body, family, and God first with a striper boost, another striper boost, and then 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 another one, and another one, and another one. Dude, letter. I, I, I hope that one didn't put you in the poorhouse, man, but all I can say is thank you, BTC Brandachi. Brandonchi. He told me how to pronounce it, and I don't... Hold on. Hit, yeah, here it is. Here it is. Here it is. BTC Brandoncini? Is it Brandochi? Let's find out. You had me dying pronouncing my name this week. For that, another thousand sats. My handle is BTC Brandon Chi, as in Chicago. So she? Brandon Chi? I love the show, brother. Not as much as I love you, dude. Owen one with a thousand says, thanks for the event zapper shout out. Yeah, it's because event zapper kicks total ass. MCOT with 321 says, love all the updates on ways to spend lightning value for value. Pies with 102. Thank you, sir. Pies with 101. Thank you, sir. 100 from O2ZX says, enjoying the Wave Lake picks lately. We bring the music back, you damn skippy. And Pies finishing us up with 100 says, thank you, sir. No, thank you. And that's going to do it for the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. And uh, this section of the show is being brought to you by Aspenwood. That's right. You need a cabin in the woods. You need to sleep Eight, a family of eight people for 250 bucks a night. Have I got the place for you? It's in the middle of the San Juan Mountains, right up next to the Wimanooch Wilderness. You're deep in the San Juan Mountains, guys. I mean, not on the edge. You're deep, deep, deep. In fact, some people might actually even get claustrophobic because it's just walls of mountains all around you and a lake about two miles away from the house. You can walk to that, son of a bitch. I do it. All the time, this place is beautiful. And if you're like living in a place like Arizona, where the, or Texas, or Oklahoma, where it's just the the heat has become oppressive, well, then go to the Verbo link that I will provide in the show. Get your clothes, get your family, get your pets, and bring your food, your own food, and that's all you need. And yourselves. That that's it. That's it. You don't need anything else. Full kitchen. Three bathrooms, full bathrooms. That means shower, bathtub, and toilet. We got a full kitchen, three bedrooms. And if you need some excess space, we've got a couch that is, I've slept on it before. Very, very comfortable, that couch, by the way. And it will sleep a full eight people depending on your sleeping arrangements. I mean, surely if you, if you have eight people and you're all guys and you literally don't know each other, then no, it's not going to sleep eight because you're going to have to be sleep like sleeping together, but whatever. Um, go to the house. Enjoy the kitchen. Full kitchen. Go hunting because hunting season is coming up, and we've already got rid of our first September weekend, I believe. So if you guys are planning on a hunting trip and you want to go place, place somewhere new and beautiful, go to Aspenwood. Go to the Verbo link. It'll be in the show notes. Now, China. China, no, not China, Canada, Chai Canada, Coinbase rolls out crypto services in our neighbors to the North Territory. Pedro Salamano from Decrypt has it. Crypto exchange Coinbase announced it finally landed in Canada. 
expanding its already impressive stronghold on the North American market. In a bid to onboard new users, Coinbase will also offer Canadian nationals a free 30-day trial to its newly launched subscription service, Coinbase One. Oh, isn't that nice? The service, which focuses on staking, also features zero trading fees and priority customer support. This is exactly what I expect out of the douchebags like Coinbase is to offer a service that is specifically meant to lose you money, the staking service, because you've got to stake your money. You can't get it back for a long, 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 long time. And they offer that service for free for 30 days to make damn sure that at the end of that 30 days, you forgot to get your stuff back out. Aw, aw. Well, guess what's going to happen when you want to destake? Yeah, you guessed it. According to the statement, the company decided to land in Canada due to its alleged high crypto awareness, along with what it said is a robust regulatory framework. This comes in stark contrast to the current legal issues the firm is dealing with stateside. Yeah, yeah, and then they're going to talk about the the SEC lawsuit. But yeah, just be aware, Canadians, any of the Canucks listening to this show, just don't. Don't don't be wooed by Brian and Coinbase and 30-day free trial of losing you money. Just buy Bitcoin, hold Bitcoin, and we'll move on to artificial intelligence. All right, <clears throat> I'm going to try to do this in a way that's not very confusing. So let me get my thoughts together. Hold on, everybody. Hold on. Uh, yes, I'll try to do this in a way that's not confusing. We're going to talk about artificial intelligence for a little bit. A little bit. This, fir- this first article is up from Coinbase. Right? Artificial intelligence trend is accelerating with the lion's share in the United States, according to Morgan Stanley. Will Canny is writing this one. The first half earnings season saw an inflection in companies discussing artificial intelligence with around 15% of firms quantifying a revenue or cost benefit from using machine learning across a broad spectrum of applications, Morgan Stanley said in a research report on Monday. The bank notes that 316 qualifying companies mentioned AI, with 106 explicitly citing fundamental business improvement from using AI or machine learning. Quote, 29 quantified the revenue opportunity, 36 quantified a cost or productivity gain, 12 discussed customer service and in-housing as the lowest hanging fruit, 8 saw efficiency and in-house of creative advertising, 82 other comments referred quantitatively to revenue or cost gains, analysts led by Edward Stanley wrote. The lion's share of this activity occurred in the United States, the note said. The three most significant trends among non-tech company earnings were biopharma gains from AI applications from strain selection to regulatory filings, large cap banks discussing cost savings and onboarding from autonomous and in-house customer service, legal use cases from summaries to drafting appeared across the spectrum of reporting companies, the bank said. The bank's analysis covered global companies with a market cap greater than $10 billion, which reported results since July the 1st. Rival Wall Street giant Goldman Sachs said AI adoption will likely have a meaningful impact on the U.S. economy sometime between 2025 and 2030. Okay, 
So why did I read you all that? Well, first of all, it's to let you know that AI, if you thought it was going to die, you're going to be very sad if you continue with that attitude. You don't have to be happy about it. You don't have to be sad about it. But you do have to understand that this shit ain't going away. It's just not. And if you treat it like it is, then that's when it's going to come up behind you and hit you on the head with a baseball bat. Right? All right. So there's that. But now keep that in the back of your head. These productivity gains, these automated systems that are, that are you know, causing these companies to go, hey, this is great. You know who else might think it's great? Well, I'll get to that in a second. Hold on. Hold on. Let's do this just for a little bit. I promise I, I, won't, I won't bludgeon you too much with this one. But it is from Coindesk. Leela Ledesma is writing it. <clears throat> the SEI, or SEI, mainnet is live after testnet sees more than 7.5 million wallets created. Oh my God, how could this happen? C-Labs, or Say labs the company behind Layer 1 blockchain SEI, has announced that its mainnet is now live after a successful testnet phase. The blockchain's native token, SEI, also went live today on exchanges such as Binance, Kraken, and Huobi, among others. The focus for SAI is to create a chain that offers users the ability to exchange assets easily, said the team behind the blockchain. <laughs> Whether this means assets for social platforms, games, or NFTs, SAI is hoping, hoping to offer the smoothest of experiences. Quote, most layer ones look to solve a technical problem, whereas our mission is to solve the problem with exchanging assets easily, said Jeff Fang, co-founder of Psy Labs, in an interview with Coindesk. Quote, there is a misconception that Psy is a decentralized finance-focused chain, but we have more of a focus on social platforms, gaming, and carbon credits. Oh, joy, carbon credits. Maybe they'll do bananas next. Anyway, there are plenty of other places to trade DeFi assets. Psy prides itself on its speed compared to other blockchains. Are you getting sick yet? We're going we're gonna to go on. You need the pain, brother. You need the pain. We'll get to it. According to co-founder Jay Jog, Psy is 10x faster than Solana, and it can achieve transaction finality in as little as 250 milliseconds with a 100 millisecond buffer to ensure protocol stability, and nobody knows what the hell that means. Transaction finality refers to the guarantee that crypto transactions cannot be altered or reversed once completed. Psy has over 200 teams building on it. 200 teams, people. It's going to overtake Bitcoin and more than 7.5 million unique wallets. Keep that in mind for the upcoming discussion. According to the press release, which added that SushiSwap's decentralized perpetual futures exchange will launch on the network as well. In May, Scilabs raised $30 million across two funding rounds, including investors such as Jump Crypto, Multicoin Capital, and Flow Traders. Oh, God, Flow Traders in there again. Size co-founders previously worked at Goldman Sachs, Robinhood, and Binance. Oh, where did we hear about Goldman Sachs just a few minutes ago? Oh, that's right. They're one of the other people that are reporting about AI. Why am I tying these two together? I'm going to make a statement, and then we'll talk. My note to Noster about, I don't know, before I started recording the show, reads thusly. Good morning. AI agents will spin up 
pre-mined shit coins and wallets at unprecedented levels and rates. They will then fill those wallets with the pre-mined garbage, making it appear that there is interest in the new projects. 2015 to 2018 will look like kindergarten in comparison. Stay humble. Stacks ats. You understand what I'm getting at at this point? It's not going to take a fake website with AI-generated pictures of the board of directors and their C-suite executives to sell some moron out of, you know, to get them to mortgage their house and all their money. It's going to be an AI agent that spins up shit coins on blockchains that are, I don't know, renting AWS rack space. And they're going to spin up wallets to make it look like, look, 7.5 million wallets. Now, am I, am I accusing of the, the Psy network doing that? I honestly don't care. I just don't care if they're going to, they're, they're not going to listen to me, so I don't care. Technically, I'm not. I don't know if those 7.5 million wallets are spun up by AIs, but they will be. That's what I'm getting at. There's going to be an AI agent that builds AI agents that's build blockchains, spin up pre-mined crap, and then spin up wallets and trade that crap between the wallets to make it look like there's activity and not a single human being had anything to do with it except for what? The final resting place for your money. If you don't think that this isn't going to happen, you are sorely mistaken. And this is one of the reasons why we need to be very, very good at identifying what AI is capable of, what it will be capable of, and to understand that it's not going away. This alt season is going to be deadly for a lot of people, not just because the bad actors that are actually bipedal humanoids walking around, but because now they're going to spin up AI actors so that they don't even have to do that. They can just go sit on the Baha- in the Bahamas on the beach, sipping a Mai Tai and looking as their wallet fills up as all these AI agents scam everybody on the planet out of whatever is left out of their money. And it's sad. How do you combat this? You buy Bitcoin and only Bitcoin. It's BTC is the ticker. You hold that Bitcoin with your own private keys. Use a cold card, go to CoinKite, and get one. And stop dicking around with anything else that isn't actual Bitcoin. Don't fool yourself into believing that BCH is the real Bitcoin. It's not. Anybody who says that we're better than Bitcoin, they're not. This whole 250 millisecond transaction time doesn't mean anything and why they added a hundred millisecond buffer time to this SEI bullshit is absolutely beyond my comprehension other than metrics have a tendency when you state numbers has a tendency to garner attention on the internet and get through I don't know certain amounts of filters Because there's numbers there. And the more numbers you put into your crappy statements, the more people are probably going to be likely to see it. So that's probably why the 100... Otherwise, the 100 millisecond buffer on transaction times makes absolutely no freaking sense. None of this matters. The only thing that matters is Bitcoin. Only Bitcoin matters. 
Uh, unless you're a gamer, in which case you're going to get hosed again. Netflix starts to stream video games, and here's why it's a big deal. This is out of Decrypt.co, written by Kate Irwin. Starting today via a limited test, Netflix is now streaming video games directly to devices, eliminating the need to download entire games or own a powerful console or computer that's capable of running the games natively. God forbid you should own anything, right? You will own nothing. And you will be happy. Netflix is testing out two of its streaming video games for select users in Canada and the United Kingdom, supporting select TV models as well as Windows PC, Mac OS computers, and mobile devices. Consoles like Xbox Series X or Sony's PlayStation 5 are not among the currently supported devices. That's because they are trying to capture the market. It could work. The news was announced today via a Netflix blog post after the streaming giant quietly rolled out an app called Netflix Game Controller for iOS last week. Netflix VP of Games Mike Verdu wrote Monday that while the tech company is still very early in our game's journey, it will offer its beta testers two games to start. One is named Oxenfree, an eerie narrative adventure game from Night School Studios, which Netflix acquired in 2021. The second is a gem mining arcade game called Molehue's Mining Adventure. Quote, this limited beta is meant to test our game streaming technology and controller and to improve the member experience over time. I won't get into the rest of it. I don't think we really need to. Because what's happening here, ladies and gentlemen, is that Netflix is on, they're not on a mission. And it really doesn't matter that it's Netflix. It doesn't matter who the one of the industry giants is. You can just say Fang. One of the Fang companies is trying to figure out a way that you don't even have control over how you play the game that you mostly don't own already. What I mean with all the de- with downloadable content, you know the license the 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 licensing on these games you can't port you can like you buy the game on Xbox you, you don't own it for PlayStation you got to buy it again for PlayStation you know, if it, 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 it's amazing what we've allowed have to happen to the gaming industry in fact the same thing that happened to the music industry is what happened to the game industry it just looks a little different and now it's going to get even worse you won't own the game you won't own the device that you're playing it on Eventually, you will you will literally, like Klaus Schwab's promised, you will own nothing and you will be happy. Sitting in your filthy container in, like, I don't know, the outskirts of Phoenix, Arizona in 125-degree heat, but you'll be okay because you'll be plugged up to virtual reality and using shit you don't even own. Because you'll own nothing. And then you'll be happy, apparently, I guess. Screw it. Let's get out of all that and back over to Bitcoin. Grayscale Bitcoin ETF decision, again, so that we can get your mind right. We're talking about Grayscale. The Grayscale Bitcoin ETF decision could happen this week, pundits say. Braden Lindria from Cointelegraph. Grayscale Investments, which has been seeking to convert its Bitcoin trust into a spot Bitcoin ETF, could be getting a decision on its lawsuit against the federal securities regulator before the week's end. In an August 11th tweet, Scott Johnson, a general partner of Van Buren Capital, explained that law clerks in the United States District Court generally cycle out in August, pushing judges to clear out the caseload before the new guard arrives. 
He noted that 30 out of 32 cases in March of 2021 and 2022 were heard by United States district courts within 160 days of oral testimony, which also landed them in August, adding that. It has also been 160 days since Grayscale delivered its oral arguments in its lawsuit against the United States Securities and Exchange Commission on March the 7th. As of now, including Grayscale, there are only a small number of unresolved March-argued cases that remain, Johnson added. Meanwhile, Bloomberg analyst James Seffert says the decision could even come as early as August the 15th, that'd be today, noting the date has been his theoretical grayscale lawsuit decision date for some time. Johnson added in his thread that Seyfert's prediction is a pretty decently good bet. In June of 2022, the United States Securities and Exchange Commission rejected Grayscale's application to convert its GBTC to a spot Bitcoin ETF. In response, Grayscale sued the securities regulator, saying that it was acting arbitrarily by failing to apply consistent treatment to similar investment vehicles. A number of industry commentators, including ARK Invest Kathy Wood and ETF analyst Nate Gurichi, have tipped Grayscale to win the lawsuit. Grayscale recently voiced that the SEC should approve all Bitcoin spot ETF applications simultaneously to prevent firms from having an advantage over other applicants. And that, as much as I'm not a fan of Barry Silbert, I don't own a Grayscale product. And I think they were just a terrible way to own Bitcoin when you don't have to do it that way. But again, much of this has to do with how people are able to get exposure to Bitcoin through their retirement accounts. That's really where it boils down to is institutions cannot touch this stuff because they can't legally custody it. And the only way that they can get that thing going on is to have some kind of ETF, like a gold exchange traded fund or or a stocks exchange traded fund, or in this case, it's a Bitcoin exchange traded fund. For me and you, just the taco eating plebs on the street, we just buy Bitcoin and hold it ourselves because we are our own institutions. But these guys... The institutions that hold the 401k of all, I don't know, all the unions in the, in the United States or whatever, however that works, they can't touch it. And therefore, their constituency can't touch it. Until they can touch it, then and only then are the other people that are involved in those unions or, you know, state employees or federal credit unions, you name it, man. They can't hold it directly. So they have to have an ETF. So that's why they exist. But I don't hold any because I don't need to. Be that as it may, one of these, one of the last things that this thing says, I've said it before, I think either yesterday or last week sometime, Grayscale recently voiced that the SEC should approve all of the applications at the same time so that no one has an advantage over the other. And that's probably what the SEC will do. Could you imagine the uproar? If BlackRock gets theirs, their spot Bitcoin ETF approved, and it takes months for the second one to come online, especially if there was a denial involved in that, oh, the howling. So I think it's actually more likely that they all come online together or they all get denied together. Because if they approve some, and then don't approve another one lickety split, 
then they're going to be accused. What's the word? What the, what's the word? I was about to say latency, but that has, that doesn't make any sense. It's not latency. It's a, um, nepotism doesn't work. Favoritism. They got buddies at BlackRock, but not as many buddies over there at Kathy Woods, you know, place. And Kathy Woods would be able to sue the SEC. I don't know exactly on what charges or what grounds, but she would have standing in the court and that, that case would go forward. And if she sues, then it will turn into a class action lawsuit against the SEC. I don't know if anything like that has ever existed before. I don't know if you can sue the SEC in class action, but I don't see why not. I mean, they're a federal, they're a branch of the of the government, but they're not the government themselves. And they have been sued. They're being sued right now by Grayscale. It stands to reason that if they don't do what's being suggested here, that they could be looking square in the face of a class action lawsuit. And that would be, uh, that would be glorious to see, honestly. But we'll finish off with Orange Pill app. Uh, Bitcoin Magazine, Nick Hoffman has it today. Orange Pill app, a social networking app that facilitates real-life connections among Bitcoin enthusiasts, has successfully raised $250,000 in pre-seed funding, according to a press release. The funding round was led by Lightning Ventures, accompanied by several other angel investors, including NBA star Matthew Della Vedova and Barefoot Bitcoin Fund. Orange Pill app launched in November of 2022 and is accessible worldwide to users on both iOS and Android, aiming to infuse the digital realm with the tangible strength of in-person interaction. The application's primary focus lies in forming and nurturing real-life communities of Bitcoiners, cementing connections beyond online interactions, and creating a robust foundation for the Bitcoin parallel economy. Quote, at Orange Pill App, we believe in the power of in-person connections and building local communities, said CEO Maddie Pellegrini. As we continue to add features to our platform, we are laser-focused on creating the tools for the Bitcoin parallel economy and connecting Bitcoiners to each other and the experiences and services that matter to them. In quote. Since its launch, Orange Pill App has achieved an impressive global outreach, capturing an audience of users spanned across 71 countries. Shit, that is impressive, bro. Mike Jarmuz, general partner at Lightning Ventures, commented, Matteo Pellegrini, Pellegrini? Yeah, Pellegrini is among the most driven and hardworking entrepreneurs that I know. His energy and passion for building the social layer of Bitcoin through the Orange Pill app is inspiring. In just a short time, Mateo and the Orange Pill app team have accomplished something truly unique and impressive, representing only a glimpse of what's yet to come. We here at Lightning Ventures are proud to have backed Mateo and the team from the earliest stages. End quote. The sentiment was echoed by Bob Burnett, managing partner at Barefoot Bitcoin Fund and CEO of Barefoot Mining, who highlighted the significance of a platform that bridges the gap within the Bitcoin community. Quote, a platform that connects the Bitcoin community is crucial to its growth, health, and maturity. The Orange Pill app fills this need. And that is why I'm thrilled to have the Barefoot Bitcoin Fund invest in this important project. All right, well, so there you go. Orange Pill app. 71 countries that I'm honestly, man, that's, that's impressive all by itself, but congratulations to orange pill app for $250,000 pre-seed funding. I hope you guys do very, very well. Please, please, please. For the love of God, consider a free tier so that you can onboard more people. The last I saw there was no tier and I may be completely wrong about this. If somebody out there knows, 
I would love to start using the Orange app, but I'm not going to pay a monthly fee to figure it out. I need something. I need something to get me into it for a little bit before I figure out if it's going to be worth my while. That's part of the onboarding process. And right now, I don't see it, or at least I didn't see it a month ago when I was trying to get on there. I was like, no, I just, I need, I need to save my money. I just do because that's just the way it is. In, in either way, that's going to do it for the morning roundup. Dad says jokes with a cringer. There's this new cryptocurrency called Decibel. It's a sound investment. It's actually more cringe because I brought you a clearly a cryptocurrency related joke, but hey, it fits in the theme of the show, so why not? Uh, If you want to support the show, Podcasting 2.0 is the way to go. Stream me Satoshi's. Boost me with Satoshi's. Do it several times. <laughs> it's like 100,000 striper boost was awesome, dude. Um, or if you want to help me out, go and stay over at the at the house in Colorado in San Juan. It's named Aspenwood. It's VRBO website link will be in the show notes. And look at the pictures. You'll figure it out. Look at a map. Look at where it is. You know, and and then get pictures from that that like just go to Google and say, hey, uh, you know, here's there the, with the town of, of or the village of Alicito. Let me show me pictures of Alicito. You'll figure it out real quick. But there is nothing like being there. In fact, the best part of going there in the summers was always this: I'd leave Texas, Panhandle, Texas, with you know 110 degrees. I'd leave it behind. And I'd drive through the flats of eastern New Mexico, which weren't exactly, you know, anything but also freaking hot. And then, and then, get into Santa Fe. And then up into Española. And then get into Pagosa Springs. Now I'm in Colorado. And then I, I hook it west. Hit Durango or Bayfield. And then go straight north. And by the time I get out of my car, because we usually left in like, you know, we usually left early morning, but it would still be, Every bit of ninety five because it wasn't it didn't shed the heat off from the day before, and I know what one hundred and fifteen feels like, so I can remember that plainly, and then we get out of the car in the very very like the late afternoon in Colorado, and it'd be eighty two degrees if not seventy five or seventy one sometimes I'd get up there and re- remember that I was just in 110 degree weather and it's 65 degrees. Not only is it in the mountains and it is beautiful, it's high in elevation and it's cool. 250 a night and it helps support the show. I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.